to an unexpected launch. While my first podcast focused on mixed orientation marriages, today we're speaking about transgender children. As I've processed my own journey, I've become more aware of the stories of others, and hearing their stories has helped me to find meaning in my own. I'm honored to be speaking with Marie, and I felt a special kinship with Marie as our families underwent transformation around the same time. Marie and Ken have two incredible children, Molly, who just graduated from high school and is headed to the University of Washington, and Coden, who just finished his junior year in high school. When Molly was 21 months old, Marie gave birth to their second daughter, Erin. Marie was a mom to two girls for 13 years, and she and Ken often referred to their children as the girls. Three years ago on a November Monday morning, after the girls left for school, Marie opened an email from Erin, their youngest daughter, that would cause Marie to reframe the reality of her family. Marie, welcome to an unexpected launch. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you today, and it's kind of fun. Most of my conversations have happened over the internet or the phone, so it's fun to be sitting across from you face-to-face and really have a conversation with you. So, Marie, you were a mom to two girls for 13 years. Tell us what it was like raising these two little girls. Well, it was really great and very comfortable for me. I'm the youngest of a really large family. I have seven sisters. My closest brother is 14 years older than me, so girls is what I know. So having two girls was uh, perfect. Well, I can tell you that uh, having three boys was a little out of my comfort zone, so <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that. I love that. So in our conversations, you've, you've mentioned that Erin wasn't a girly girl, and you noticed some differences between her and her sister Molly. And about that same time, you also had a nephew who had transitioned from male to female. So what differences did you notice between your girls? And, and with those differences and watching the journey of your nephew, did you ever wonder about Erin's gender? So it's interesting to look back on it now because in hindsight, there's always things you can pick up on. But I, at the time, didn't think too much about it. Um, when you have more than one child, it's easy to see all the differences between two siblings. Erin um, didn't really, wasn't really that interested in dolls or dressing up, but then again, didn't resist or didn't seem annoyed by it either. You know, I was just more interested in Legos and puzzles. And it wasn't until uh, probably when Molly was starting to switch from the little kid clothes into more tween type clothes. So heading out of the Oshkosh, you know, my favorite outfits and getting into more, you know, shirts that were a little tighter, shorts that were a little shorter. Um, that I began to notice that Coden really wasn't interested in those hand-me-downs. Um, and I hadn't even really noticed that I'm, I'm hesitating because I'm, I'm fighting with the pronoun problem. So I think how I'm going to proceed, at least going to attempt, is when I'm talking about Aaron when Aaron was young, that I'm going to try and use Aaron and still use male pronouns because I know that that is 
who he is. Um, so Aaron really wasn't wearing dresses and we weren't going places that you needed to get dressed up. So it really wasn't a big deal. And then I would go through the closet and, you know, switch out the clothes that had been grown out of. And I would see stuff in there that still had tags on that had never been touched and still didn't think that much about it. Aaron ended up in fifth grade winning a writing contest and was allowed to, or part of the prize was going down to read her poem, his poem, see, um, down in California. And grandma was gonna get both girls fancy dresses for this occasion. And it kind of surprised me how resistant Aaron was to picking out a dress. Just wasn't really interested. Um, you mentioned my niece. Uh, Joel transitioned to know me when he was 30. So a very different, um, different circumstances. But um, around that time, he had mentioned to me that he had questions about Coden, about Aaron. So there was that in the back of my mind. And shortly after Nomi started to transition, we went over to their house. It was the, the girls at that time. And um, myself went over to my sister's house. And so there was a chance to hear Nomi talk about her process some and, you know, just to be around that. And then coming home, I mentioned to Aaron, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to be in this world. And, um, and that I had noticed that, you know, Aaron really wasn't interested in Molly's clothes and was much com more comfortable in baggy t-shirts and long gym shorts and had, you know, had short hair forever. And so I just said, you know, if you ever have any questions or you want to talk, then, then I'm open. Um, and so that pretty much was as much as I had thought about it before getting the email. So what was Aaron's response to your, your comments of many different ways to live? How did Aaron respond? Yeah, pretty much, you know, shook his head and, and kind of like, yeah, yeah, kind of right, whatever, mom. Um, but then got kind of quiet and then just sort of left. And that's kind of where it stayed for the next couple months. Um, I had forgotten kind of, I hadn't forgotten the conversation, but I hadn't thought a lot about it. Um, but when he did send the email, he mentioned, you know, the date that I had had that conversation with him. And it was almost two months later. So, you know, there had been some time to really think about the topic. Well, what a gift for you to be able to provide that opening. Because from what I understand of some of the challenges within the transgender community is that children often are not supported by their parents or, or those who love them and don't have that freedom to feel free to express themselves. 
And I think by you providing that opening and clearly with the remembrance of the date, that was something that really stood out. And so what I just, I think that that's fantastic that you were able to provide that gift and that opening for that, that conversation. So when Aaron was 13 years old, you've referred to this email and Aaron came out as, as trans, transgender. What do you feel comfortable sharing about that email? Well, that um, I was pretty surprised. And, um, and in some ways it just made perfect, perfect sense that it was an email instead of a conversation. The first line was, uh, you know, I, I know I'm probably a wimp, which makes me kind of sad, but at least he knew that it was something he wanted to share and this was how he felt comfortable sharing it. Um, and then I was surprised at how much thought he had put into his decision. Um, the information that he included in the email, um, there was links to resources. There was um, lots of things included to um, kind of take care of me to, you know, make sure that that I knew that, you know, this wasn't something that he was struggling um, it wasn't a burden or I'm not exactly sure how to say it, but that it wasn't something that has he's been suffering with. He realized that um, that he didn't feel the way that it made him uncomfortable when people referred to him as a she. And he was uncomfortable with the name Aaron. If it was spelled A-A-R-O-N, that would have been okay. But um, that the dysphoria was, it can be on a spectrum and his was pretty mild compared to a lot. So little things like that really made me sigh you know, have a sigh of relief knowing that it wasn't something that you, you do hear so often about kids who had just felt wrong or, um, you know, not seen, not being able to be who they want to be. Uh, so to, to know that he's able to put words to express himself as he sees himself um, without it having been something that he's struggled with forever was comforting. That's interesting that he used the word wimp when he was clearly talking so bravely and openly and you must have been so proud of his courage to share that with you and clearly something that he had been thinking about and processing if he had researched resources. This was not some momentary decision. There was clearly some, some thought that had been put into this. So Aaron comes home from school. So you, re you read this email. Do you call Ken? What do you do with this information initially? Um, I sent an email back. I thought, okay, this is probably going to be the most comfortable form of communication off the bat. And said, 
I love you always and forever. And this must have been really hard to write, and I'm so glad that you did. And I'm going to forward it to Dad, and we'll work on pronouns, and the name might take a little while, but we love you. And then I forwarded it to Ken, and it turns out that Molly had already known, I don't think for very long, but when I told her, it's like, oh, yeah. Did she just know intuitively, or had she and Coden had some conversation? I can't remember. I don't think it was a conversation. I think that Molly saw something on Coden's phone, maybe some research or something. Um, I'm pretty sure that they didn't have a conversation, but it wasn't news to Molly. So, and then, and I don't remember exactly what happened when Coden came home. I think we just sort of kind of just continued on as normal. Because Coden is still Coden. It's still the same, the same kid person <laughs> that left yes. that morning. Right. And because I knew that the, physically there wasn't going to be anything that was going to change overnight. Um, so I also knew that pronouns and names were going to be difficult because you know, you spend 13 years calling somebody something, and that takes quite a while to change over. And the pronouns are, um, we actually started, um, he had asked us to use he and him pronouns. And we actually started by using they and them pronouns, which is challenging because especially when you have two children and you're having a conversation with somebody, it's hard for them to be able to follow if I'm talking about Coden using they and them or if I'm talking about both kids or, um, but I think it was a step that I needed because in some ways um, I did have to view Coden as sort of two people before I could really get to referring just to him. Uh, there's kind of a, a bit of a before and after. There's sort of also, because of the timing, um, his age, there's sort of the being a little kid versus, you know, kind of coming into your own as puberty and, and that hits. Um, I'm thankful to be able to just say he and him now. Um, it feels more honoring, and uh, it's just a whole lot less confusing. <laughs> well, there is that transition period, not only for Coden, but for our family. So you and Ken, I'm sure, spent some time when Aaron was born thinking of the name. I'm sure it carried some meaning for you personally. Where did the name Coden come from? So I asked him that, and... He said that he had been watching a movie. I think it was Brother Bear. Anyways, there was a bear cub named Coda. And he liked that name and decided to add it, an N on the end and change it to Coden. Which is, because it's so, the, the ending is similar to Aaron. I think that that really helped in the transition, that it's not such a different name. Um, 
And I love the fact that it's unique because Coden is really a unique kit. So. Well, I think that's really powerful, and I love that he chose the name and that that was something that he clearly had, uh, along with the process, had, had put some thought into. As parents, we all worry so much about our children. What were or are your greatest fears for Coden? Probably my greatest fear is that society doesn't seem to be moving in a direction in general of being welcoming and open to people who are seen as other. Um, I can't even state how fortunate I feel that we live where we live, you know, in liberal west coast of the United States, um, and how surprised I've been at actually how easy this whole process has been. But my fear is that it's going to be a rude awakening someday for Coden to go someplace where people um, just can't see him for who he is. Um, yeah, and say so that's probably my biggest fear. I think we, we take for granted a little bit the the openness and accepting that, that is in the community here in Seattle. And Ethan, who's our oldest son, had gone to school in Indiana. And that was the year that, that Matt came out. And it wasn't until Ethan talked about Matt and his podcast that people that he went to college with even knew that Matt was gay. Because the culture is just not as open-minded and Ethan was afraid to share. And that was one of the reasons that caused him to leave Indiana. He just didn't feel that he could be who he was in his family, living around individuals who were so close-minded and it, it caused anxiety and fear for him. And so I, I very much relate to, to your fear for Coden. So, you know, you've kind of touched on some of the things that have been challenging. It's getting used to pronouns and really understanding the process that Coden has and, and will continue to go through. What resources have you used that have guide you, guided you as you've supported Coden? So the first thing I did was I found a counselor for me. And I found somebody who had knowledge of transgender issues. Um, and I <clears throat> did the Family Medical Leave Act and took some time off of work. Um, I just knew that I had a lot of things that I felt I needed to figure out and that I couldn't really do my job and have all of the energy that I needed for my family if I didn't do that. And the person that I found was, it was a great, um, environment to be able to express my fears, to ask questions, to um, be able to take care of me without having the process affect my family. It's sort of the put on the um, oxygen mask first idea in the plane before you can take care of ones around you. 
And she was able to point me in the direction of a doctor who has been fantastic um, to help us with the, the process of stopping puberty, which at 13 had already begun. And, um, you know, depending on, as a parent, if, a, if you find out that your child is transgender, depending on where they are in their, you know, development, there's all sorts of different things to consider. If you have a five-year-old who insists that, no, they are not a boy, but they're a girl, um, you have some time to not worry so much about physical stuff. Well, I felt we were up against the clock a little bit. Um, you know, 13 changes have already happened, but not everything. And I knew that that was not a road that Coden wanted to continue down. So getting the name of a doctor who could, um, we had uh, hormone blockers um, implanted so that we could just pause. And we did that for about a year. And that just allowed time for, you know, things to settle, you know, questions to be asked. Um, and then we slowly started doing um, transitional hormones so that Coden could kind of, during high school, go through puberty at about the same rate as his peers, um, which, you know, that's a huge blessing in itself. Um, my, I actually now have two transgender nieces and I have um, one who's going through the transition right now and she's 26 and is going through puberty at 26. So um, yeah, now I've kind of forgotten the question. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, resources, you were oh. talking about the re helpful resources. Yeah. Well, one thing I was trying to figure out while I was going to counseling is, you know, where I should be sending Coden. What, you know, what kind of resources was he going to need? And there are a lot of resources out there. Um, Coden wasn't interested in, um, like, joining the pride group at school or a lot of that kind of stuff. We did use Youth Eastside Services, which is local here, to find a counselor. Um, we met with him just once and told him our story and explained how things were going. And at the end of it, he said, I don't see any reason that you guys need to come back unless you want to come back, which Coden really wasn't interested in. And so that was kind of that. And because I think Coden hasn't gone through the angst of having a long process of feeling unseen, I don't think that we've needed to look out for resources the way that some families might. Uh, Coden's kind of a, yeah, just let me be kind of person. So, um, that's pretty much what we've done. So you mentioned that that Molly had had known about Coden, and as our families undergo these changes, it's not just your child who's transitioning that you need to support, but you need to support 
siblings, there might be other family members, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles. How, how can parents best support uh, their, their other children and other family members? If they're willing to be open and talk, I think that that's um, important. If you feel in any way ashamed or make it feel like it's a secret, then I think that everybody knows that and that can stunt the process. Um, for, for me and my family, this wasn't the first transgender grandchild. Um, my parents were already gone. Uh, I think that it would have been a very different situation if they were still alive. They were um, very devout Catholics and kind of old school, um, I think that they would have had some challenges coming to terms with all of this. Um, but I don't know how much of it has to do with the, where we live. Um, the biggest surprise of all of this is how little an issue we've, it's been for us. Um, you know, Molly knew before us, but Molly's been an example of how to handle it. Um, the administration at school, the the kids, kids really just don't seem to care what you call yourself, who you love, not to say that bullying doesn't happen or that kind of thing, but they have such a different perspective on how people define themselves. Um, that it's more a lesson for our generation than I think for theirs. When Matt first came out, the boys were 14, 16, and 18. So freshman in high school, junior in high school, and freshman in college. And one of my biggest, well, I had a lot of fears. <laughs> I don't know if it was my biggest fear. A fear that I had was that our boys would be judged or viewed differently. And I found the exact same thing that kids just didn't seem to care. It just, it wasn't an issue as it is for our generation. And when my friends would talk to their children to say, uh, you know, Matt came out, they, their, their response was, so, uh, okay, so, so what? And one of the things that I hope for is that through conversation, through our children being just in a different mindset, that there is this ability for individuals to, to be who they are, live openly, be comfortable with who they are. I think that for individuals in my generation, our generation, that was different. And, and so um, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, that Molly and Coden have had the same experience that I've seen for my children. And, and like you, when Matt came out, one of the first things that we said to our boys was, this is not a secret. You may share what you want with who you want, how you want. You don't have to. But we didn't want to burden them with, this isn't something that you can talk about. And I think that by saying it's not a secret and having that open communication, it really helps to, uh, it, it takes away that, that, that weight that you have of 
this is something that's different or I, you know, I shouldn't be talking about this. And it's a conversation of this, this is who we are. And I think that, you know, that's the, the authenticity of being open and, and honest. What advice do you have for parents with a, a transgender child? Listen and love. And listening could be like in our situation, it was more reading. You know, you might, um, your kid might be willing to sit down and have a big conversation with you. You might have to do a little bit more research, um, but as much as possible, follow their lead. And you know, if you can make this less of an issue, you know, the better, and just continue to love them. You know, the coding didn't change. Coding is still the same quirky, you know, um, artistic, compassionate person that he's always been. And, um, and be willing to share. I think take the risk to share because like you said, the, the more you can put it out there, the more it becomes, it's another opportunity for people to see that this is normal, that there are hundreds of different ways to be. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. It, it's such a gift to be able to live freely and authentically. A after he he came out, did you see any changes in code? I mean, so we just talked about that at his core, he is who he's always been. He is that person. With, with his ability to speak freely about who he truly is and and own his name and use those male pronouns. Were there any changes? Not as many as I would have expected. And I think it's mostly down to the fact that he really is just sort of a, <clears throat> yeah, this is who I am. And, you know, I don't need to make a big deal out of it. I think the biggest change is just that there was a bit more of an ease, just a bit more, you know, comfort of not, not having to worry about explaining wearing the long gym shorts or um, just a little bit more comfort with himself. But it wasn't, whereas with my nieces, I saw a much bigger change. Of course, they had lived their lives a lot longer in the wrong body. So I saw a bigger change in them being able to be who they are. So one of the things, you know, uh, when we go through an unexpected change, um, it, it, there can be feelings of anxiety, loss, fear, isolation, fear of being different. We don't talk about things. We can feel isolated. What did you turn to as sources of strength and inspiration in the very early stages and, and now? Well, I have a lot of sisters who are close, so they were definitely one of the main supports that I had. And then, you know, Ken and I were definitely have been together on this. Um, and really, the kids have really been an inspiration for me. Um, Coden started Girl Scouts in fourth grade, and those are still some of his best friends. Um, 
And I was also kind of inspired by how the school district handled it and, you know, how teachers and um, so the supports have been close um, friends and that kind of thing more so than because we didn't end up looking elsewhere too much for outside help. Um, we were able to find it within our community, so that was great. I think as, as parents, we think of ourselves as guiding our children, being their teachers. And one of the things that I've learned over the past three and a half years is that I think my children have taught me more than I have taught them. And my children very much were one of my biggest sources of inspiration and really kept me going. And their, their knowledge, their honesty, their love was, it, it really blew me away and their strength and, and their, their, their processing and, and their, uh, they were so wise, so wise. And it, it just wasn't something that I expected. And I felt that they taught me a lot more throughout this process than I might have taught them. Right. <laughs> um, you know, as humans, we we so fear change. We just we do everything we can to to steer away from it. But I think we find that it comes, and and with it, there's unexpected beauty. So, what would you say are the biggest gifts of your family's journey? I think the fact that. Well, it's made me realize, as you're saying, learning from our children, how many times I've put people in boxes and how comfortable that is for me. You know, just the way that we were raised that you're, you know, you're this or that or, um, and the fact that I think of it as kids having the ability to see others with 3D glasses, that they care less about the boxes that you put each other in, and that so many things are a spectrum instead of an either or. You know, I've <laughs> I was fascinated to realize how broad the spectrum is. It's it's not male or female, that it's so many different possibilities in between. The same with sexual orientation. You know, you don't have to be gay or straight. The way that we define define ourselves there's a lot of options and it was really the kids who have shown that to me and it's nice to know going forward that you know whatever Coden calls himself today or Molly or my future grandchildren it's what they might call themselves today it's up to them to be able to define who they are and that it can be anything that's incredible. What would you say your greatest hope is? I think it's to have that ability to see people for who they want to be seen as, for that to grow. And for it to be not just in little liberal bubbles around the country, but to have there be more opportunities for people to be seen as they are in government, in sports, in entertainment, um, 
the more opportunities that people in rural areas that don't have much access to this, maybe if they can see it on TV or on the sports field, then maybe it'll be easier for their kids to come out and define themselves the way that they believe they are. I absolutely share your hope. And that's one of the reasons that ultimately I've started with an unexpected launch because I, I think that it starts with conversation and it's through open conversation and individuals being brave enough to take that step that gives somebody else who's feeling that they are alone, they're the only person like themselves. It gives that person the courage to, to raise their hand and say, that's my story too. And so I really, I'm so appreciative of, of you sharing with me today because I think that's one of the most important steps is that we're all talking openly and honestly. So I'd like to revisit the very first question that I asked you, but I'm going to reframe it just a little bit. And I'd like you to tell us what it's like raising your two incredible children. I am full of pride, which is appropriate since we're in Pride Month. <laughs> Um, Molly has exceeded my wildest imaginations in her um, academic success um, and being the wonderful person that she is. And uh, I could not be more proud of Coden. And if you don't mind, I, I would love to share his coming out story. I absolutely would be honored. So he was 13 in eighth grade middle school he had an english assignment to write a persuasive speech the speech was going to be given just before um, midwinter break or winter break not midwinter break and he decided to write his speech about the fact that he didn't think that parents should um, raise their children as any particular gender because we might get it wrong and that makes it harder for the child to be able to say who or she is when they get old enough to be able to speak that for themselves. So that was how he came out to his classmates. It was uh, just about a month after he had told us. He got up in front of his English class, gave a speech, said, and I am transgender, and my name is Coden, and that was it. To have the self-awareness, the courage, uh, the confidence to be able to do that blows me away. So I have chills and I have tears, I have tears, <laughs> tears in my eyes because I, I wish that other people could, I wish that everybody could feel the ability to do what he did. And what an incredible young man. I'm 53. I'm still trying to figure myself out. And for him to have the courage to do that in front of peers when it is so, it's such a difficult time to be different. I can see why you are so proud and thank you for sharing that. That was absolutely so touching. Is there anything else that, 
that uh, you'd like to share that we haven't that we haven't touched upon? I don't think so. Just be willing to see people the way that they see themselves and talk about it. Marie, I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's been uh, such an honor sitting across the table, having this conversation with you. And I would also like to give a special thanks to Coden for allowing you to share his story. And I know that he reviewed the questions beforehand. So I wanted to thank him for his involvement and for, for allowing me the opportunity to share his story in this forum. I know that you wrote an article that was published in Women for One, and I'll provide a link to that so that people can can read that story because it was beautifully written. And it's, it's an incredible story. And thank you for taking time to sit down with me today. And thank you for opening your home and your mic for people to be able to share their stories. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share an unexpected launch with a friend. Aidan Duncan produced this episode and composed the music. <laughs>